and can you hear me? Yes. Oh, I can hear myself now. Amen. Just giving honor to God who I love, who is the head of my life and my daily redeemer. He is, he is my daily redeemer. So I'm just thankful for this opportunity to speak to you once again, to our bishop, to our reverend. So can I just tell you, there's a lot of times when you speak, and there's always nerves that go with speaking, right? If you're not nervous, there's something wrong, right? But there's some that you can get over a little bit, you get used to it. But then there's when your pastors are sitting in the front row. (laughs) So I am thankful for you today. I'm thankful that they are here when they make me a little nervous. But that's okay. There is a word of the Lord today. Amen? So I'm going to ask if you would stand with me. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to pray, and we're going to get right to it. On this Holy Communion Sunday, we're going to be reading from John 6, John chapter 6. I'm reading from the New King James Version. We're going to start at verse 54, or 53 and 54. John 6, chapter, John chapter 6, verses 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. May God add a blessing and a reading to the hearing of his word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, O God, for your power. We thank you for the power, God, that you had and that you gave to us when you died on the cross. We thank you, O God, because you are a God who conquers death. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning asking for open hearts, open minds. God, that your word would penetrate us, God, and that it would transform our lives. God, I pray that the words that you have given to me, Lord, that as I speak, they would feel, be filled with your power, God, and your grace. So, God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to talk to you about something very simple. This message was so simple that I struggled with it. And a lot of times you'll hear us talk about the struggle as someone who may speak or preach because God always deals with you first before he deals with the words you're going to deliver for his people. But it's interesting to me because in this particular message, I struggled in its very simplicity. The simplicity of the fact that God loves us. And if there's anything that you get out of this message today, it is as simple as God loves you. Oh, but for the love of God. Oh, but for the love of God. That is what we're going to talk about today. And it comes in the form of being able to participate in this Holy Communion, being able to participate in the gift that God has given us. Oh, but for the love of God. I recognize that I am not the best person to reflect. Generally, when I do reflection, it is because there is something that, that may have happened that did not go its proper way, 
or something that just went wrong, right? We reflect more so, at least me, I'll speak for myself, I reflect more so on the bad versus the good. Sometimes on the good, but generally when it's good, I keep moving because it was good. No time to reflect, we got work to do. But when it's bad, we spend a whole lot of time reflecting on what went wrong, who wasn't in their place, who did not do what they were supposed to do. And so because of that, I've been thinking lately, recognizing this as a trick of the enemy. I recognize this as a trick of the enemy because it is our innate nature to point out the wrong in ourselves and others. Why do we struggle to give another person a compliment? Why do we struggle to speak well? Why do we struggle to reflect on the good? We live in a world that we are consistently trying to change our image. We're consistently trying to do something to be different when we were created to be in the image of God. So what God showed me was if we are so busy trying to change so that we are trying to conform to the image of the world, then we are reversing the very thing that God gave to us. He created us in his image. And if he created us in his image and we are now trying to change or we can't recognize because of the reality of what's going on in the world, then what we begin to understand is we are pushing ourselves away from God. God created us to be in relationship with him. He created us not because he needed us, but he created us because he wanted to. Let me say that again. He did not create you because he needed you. God does not need you. He is God all by himself. But he created you because he wanted to. Because he desired to be in relationship with you. And it did not matter what you have done, what you did, what you, how you fell short. It does not matter what's going on in your life. His love for you does not change. It does not matter your failure. It does not matter your fault, what you consider to be your flaws. It does not matter. God loves you regardless. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died on the cross knowing that we would reject him, knowing that we would betray him, knowing that we would do what we do. Yet in spite of all that he knew about us, he decided to still get on the cross and die for our sins. While we were yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How simplistic is this message? That Jesus loves you, period. With no stipulations, with, no, with nothing that we can do, there's nothing that we can do or give to God. Now, to be clear, he does not always like what we do. But in spite of what we do, he still loves you. He loves the person that he created. And if there is nothing else that you get out of this today, know that you are nowhere too far away from God's love. In fact, God loves not only those who are Christians, because sometimes we get in our Christian bubble and we feel like, well, God loves me. 
because I, I'm a Christian, because I, I say that I confessed him and I lived this life, and a lot of times we're living it wrong, but we live this life. And this is what we do. This is what we say. But guess what? God loves those who don't love him. God loves those who have fallen short, those who don't call upon his name. God loves everyone equally and unconditionally. It does not matter who you are. He still loves you. And in that, we need to understand that we are then not too far from his reach. There is nothing, nothing that you can do where God cannot find you and embrace you in that love. So I ask God, why now? Why this message today? So it's interesting because I, for, I found out on Sunday I was preaching in a good way. <laughs> See, this is what happens when they're here. I can't really talk about them because then they can listen to this later and get me later. I got some time. But when they're sitting in front of you, you get the eyes now. However, through this week, the first couple days with work being busy, everything going on, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to speak about? And I had a conversation with one of my beautiful sisters. And her exuberance and her sharing and all that was going on, I heard the word of the Lord speak. And he was speaking about the passion and the concern and the care that he has for us. So I'm sitting at work and I'm like, okay, I think I have an understanding of what you want me to speak about. I need some scripture. We got to use the Bible. You can't just talk. (laughs) Otherwise, it's just public speaking. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, Lord. And he reminds me, because I almost forgot y'all. He reminded me on Wednesday that it was communion, that this was the first Sunday. And so in that, he's answering my, the why now, why today, why this message here and now. It's because he said, I am calling for my sons and daughters to return home. Because I'm entering into a place on this sacred day as we participate in the holy sacrament of communion. That his desire is for all of us to participate in it. Because we come to a point And we say it in our service, and it is true, and that is what we do here, that, yep, you need to be a believer, you need to confess, you need to have a self-examination of yourself before you take of this cup and of this bread. Why? Because it is sacred, because of what it represents. But God's desire is that everyone would come into a remembrance of who he is and would participate in this holy moment of remembering the gift that he gave for us. But he didn't, we appreciate the fact, hallelujah, for the gift of eternal life. Thankful for that. I am so glad that I have the gift of eternal life. But what's interesting is the, the, the message that we, we miss in understanding that we have life here and now. But we struggle with the life that we live because we're not living it in our fullness because we're not living it fully in God. So in thinking why here, why now, and God answering that, he wants his sons and his daughters to return home. Let me explain this a little bit. It's not about being saved or not saved. It's about the place that you're in right now. 
Because even as Christians, we don't get it right all the time. Matter of fact, we probably get it wrong most of the time. And occasionally we have some moments of rightness. Okay, I just wanted to make, because sometimes you feel like you're by yourself up here. I'll tell myself, I'll talk about myself. A lot of times I get it wrong, not because I want to, it's because I'm learning, I'm trying, I'm growing. This year, I celebrated 21 years of salvation. Okay, y'all clap, but I'll tell you this for a reason. The reason why is because even in our natural life, when we are born and we go through our different stages of life, it takes time, right? When we hit 21, we become legal, and we, we just have <laughs> thoughts in our minds that, yes, I am legal, I'm grown, I can do this. As a teenager, you just want to be grown, and then when you become grown, you're like, Lord, <laughs> send me back. Yes. And so the reason why I say that is because in these 21 years, it has been 21 years of a journey. It has been 21 years of getting it wrong. But I'm thankful because of the moments where I got it right. The moments where even though I may have fallen, God gave me the strength to get back up. That even when I stopped, when I doubted that he would bring someone my way or speak a word through whatever means, through his creation, through his holy word, through another person, whatever it was, he would speak and my my disbelief would have to go because he's been too good. He's done so much for me that even when the devil would come to think of an uncertainty, to have a doubt, that point blank God has done too much that I'm so in that I can't get out. What does that mean? You ever walk... I am so far in that if I wanted to, it would actually make less sense for me to get out. Because he's been that good. Because he's done that much. And so I'm thankful for that because I know that that is your story as well. And so when we think about what God has done, when we think about his goodness, I also think about Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 tells us of the parable of the lost son. And so when I asked the question, why this message on this day? And God's answer was, he sent a call out for my sons and daughters to return home. He brought me to the scripture of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to read all of the text, but the two things that stood out for me. One, verse 17 And it says, but when he came to himself, y'all getting the point, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? When I thought about the story of the the prodigal son, there are many symbolisms, there's theologians. We could exegete this text all day long. But God's, he pointed out two things to me. One, it took the son a moment to come back to his senses. 
And the reason why I share this is because there's a lot that goes on in our lives, good and bad. The distractions happen all the time, but there's a moment when we have to come back to our senses. There's a moment where you need an awakening in your mind. You need that light bulb to go off to remember whose child you are. We have to understand that sometimes through life, we get distracted. Sometimes, just like the prodigal son, we've asked, give me my stuff and let me live. And in the midst of that, we go out and we live life. We do what we want to do. But there's these glimpses of who we are, those moments where we can remember who, who we are, whose we are. And a lot of times, we ignore them. It took the son to go through all of these stages. He had his father's inheritance. He asked for his portion prematurely, one, offense to your father. Then you go, you leave the house so you can go hang out, do what you do because you got money in your pocket. Well, how many people know if you got money in your pocket, you got people around you. You got friends. We call them. He had all of this stuff going on, but as soon as he lost it all, he had to go find a job. The only job that he could find was feeding slop to the pigs. But he was a king's kid. And so in all of this, where he's finding himself, he's finding himself in what I call the pig pen repentance stage. He's finding himself at the lowest point. Have anybody been to their lowest point? He's finding himself at his lowest point. And in his lowest point is when he had a come to Jesus moment. He remembered. And what's what's nice about this is he did not, in the the midst of him going through all this, he lost his pride. He lost, he got to a place where there was nothing that he had could do or say he was low. And so in that, he didn't say, hey, I can go back to my father's and I can just stay where I can go and do what I was doing before and become you know, the son, he said, but his servants, his servants are well fed. His servants have enough. And so in that, what he's saying is, I don't even deserve to be your son. I don't deserve to be your child. If you would just hire me as your servant, that would be enough. And so in this moment, he came to himself and he set his journey back for home. But here's point two. Here's something that was interesting that in all the texts that I've read this before, and maybe some people who deep, you know, deeper than I am have seen this. But in verse 21, it says, and the son said to him, father, excuse me, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. For me, what is so powerful about this is that verse 20 talks, it says, his father saw him a great way off. What does that mean? That has to mean that his father was looking for him. Because if I was minding my business, if I was doing what I do on a daily basis, 
then maybe I catch a glimpse of you. But in reality, I'm going to be caught up with the things that I am doing. But it says that on his journey home, the father saw him for a great, saw him a great way off. And so what I recognize in that is that just how the father saw him a ways off is the same way that God is calling us home and he's looking for you. This is the God that we serve who will leave the 99 just to find the one. This is the God that we serve that no matter how messy, how nasty our stuff is, he is still looking for his sons and his daughters to come home. When I think about this, uh, yesterday, I love how God orchestrates everything. And so this is going to sound kind of funny. And I'm not going to date myself because the show's not too old, but I watch, these are reruns. So has, every, has anyone ever seen the show Touched by an Angel? Okay. All right. So only the reruns. Yes, me too. No, so when the show was when the show used to air, I never watched it a whole lot. But when I have this moment, so in part of the house I got cable, in the other part of the house I got able. <laughs> see, one side of the house because I got to explain it to some. This see now she's dating her age. One side of the house you have cable. You know what cable is, right? FiOS, Verizon. Comcast, Xfinity. Then on the other side of the house, you have what we call able. It's whatever channel I am able to get. <laughs> Maybe, well, I bought an antenna, so I get a few in my televisions digital, so I get a whole lot of like channel 4 4 4-2, 4-3. It I really do. Okay. So in that I was watching Abel. And during this time, Touched by Angel starts, it comes on early in the morning. I don't normally get a chance to watch it, but very occasionally when I can actually stay home, I have the opportunity to watch a little television. And so yesterday I thought it was really interesting because I was watching this show and it was an episode. I actually got on back to back. So the first episode, I missed like half of it. And so as I'm watching the, the first half, the first episode, second half, I'm like starting to cry a little bit. I'm starting to realize also, so this is me really telling on myself, as I get older, I was never really an emotional person, but now as I get older, I just cry a lot. I think that's my father. Don't tell him. So my father does that to me. <laughs> my brothers and sisters would have got that joke. All right. So what I, I'm watching this and I start to cry a little bit. And I'm like, oh Lord, maybe you're going to speak through touch by an angel. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> So I'm like, let me watch the second episode because whoo, I feel like I'm going to really get a word through this. And it's interesting because I'm watching Touched by an Angel. See ya. <laughs> I'm watching Touched by an Angel. And it, it was interesting, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting anything out of it. So I was a little hurt. But interesting enough, I love how God orchestrates things. It took 55 minutes for me to understand that this was something that he wanted me to see. And it was because the episode dealt with these two family, these two lineages. And one of them was at his wit's end. 
he was at a point where he was getting ready to take his life. He was at, his business was going down, he had no money, he had a family, and he was just at his wits end. And then there was the other man who, he was just excited about life, he had this strong family lineage, and he was excited because he was getting ready to start his new chapter of life. He was getting ready to get married later on that evening. And so he owned a bar and he's getting ready to kick everybody out the bar because he's like, we're getting married. And it was such a, a, a communal atmosphere that he's inviting everyone in the bar to his wedding and everyone in the block and the community was going to be away. And so the first guy knew this. So he plotted and he said, well, I can't. Because he was, he, in his mind, he was doing this for his family. So he said, I can't just commit suicide because the life insurance won't cover that. So I have to stage it so that it looks like an accident. And so he goes and he actually creates this little bomb and he goes and puts it in the bottom of the basement because his house was close enough that if the bar exploded, he would be a casualty. And so you go through this and, and back and forth throughout the show, it's actually taking you back and forth through their history. It's, it's showing you the lineages of these families. And it's not until the end where the angel of death, one assigned to the man who was trying to commit suicide, and one actually assigned to the other man who was excited about life because where he thought there would be no casualties, little did he know that the one who was getting married had a tradition of having every, uh, every stage of life, whether death or birth or marriage, signed in their Bible. And he forgot the Bible in the bar. So even though he's going to his wedding, he now turns around to come back. So now we're at this crisis, what we call the climax in this television show. And what happens is these angels of death, one is trying to tell him, the bar, you just get back to the church. Don't go back to the bar. Turn around. He's trying to whisper this in his ear, but he's like, no, it's tradition. This is what I have to do. I need this word. I have to take it with me. And on the other side, there was another angel who was talking to the man who was getting ready to lose his life. And interesting enough, the angel of death that was assigned to this man was the angel of death that used to be assigned to the lineage of the family of the man who was getting ready to lose his life. And so he was upset because, and I say this in, in theory, right? This is a television show, but he was upset because God, <laughs> he was upset because God switched the angels of death. And he's like, I have gone through this entire family, and this is the only man left, and you mean to tell me that I can't walk him home? And he assigned him to someone else. So he's now talking to him. He goes to his, his house. He has his office. He's sitting there, and the angel sees his name. And if in watching the show, what we came to realize was this man who we did not know were going to intersect. He saw his last name and he realized that he was the lineage. He was the, the slave that the other family had 
um, protected and had hid until the person who was looking for him had gone away. And he had said, I'm going to change my name so that I can become a brother to you. And so what ended up happening is when his line, the, the man, the, the person who was the slave at the time, he had a half dollar, silver dollar. This was like, it flashed back to about the 1800s sometimes. It fell out of his pocket. And because the family honored him so much, they wanted and they waited for someone from his lineage to come back and to reclaim this half dollar. So in the bar, you see that they have it framed and it's sitting there. And so the angel of death, when he saw his name, said, ah, now I see. Now I see why God switched us. Now I see why he assigned me to you. And he began to tell him the story of what had happened between these two families. And in that, he, he walked him back down to the bar. He showed him the half dollar. And in giving all of the speeches that they gave, he came to a place of realizing that the hope of God was right there with him. And so in it, if you know anything about coin collections, you would understand that there was so much value in this half dollar that he didn't have to kill himself. He did not have to lose hope, but God had provided a way for him. And so in that, he runs down in the the climax and you're sitting at the end of your chair trying to figure out, will he make it? Because he set the bomb for a particular time. (laughs) (laughs) See, y'all sitting at (laughs) So he runs down, he's in the basement, he's trying to dismantle the bomb, and obviously he does it. And in doing that, what I noticed, like I said, in the last five minutes of this show, if, if God does not simply allow us to, to walk in happenstance, but there are intricate details and interactions in our lives that have coincided in a way with God, with other people, in conversations, and all that he does. He did it so that he could come to this moment to give his life to Christ. So not only did he, one, not lose his life, but two, he got an inheritance God provided, and three, he got eternal life. And so I tell you this story. I know with all laughing and fun and games, but I tell you this story because what it caused me to realize was the intersecting that God does in our lives. And you may be at a point in feeling like you are in your pig pen. But understanding that sometimes it takes you to get to the pig pen to come back to your senses. And so in coming back to your senses is an understanding that you have a place, you have a home, you have a hope in God, and he's looking for you. This father who was looking out of his window saw his son from afar, and he didn't even give him the opportunity to get to the house. He came running looking for him so that he could love on him and let him know that, yes, you did wrong, but regardless of what you did, I still love you. And God's message is just the same for us today, that no matter 
what is going on in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your current situation is, no matter what you did last night, no matter who you did. His love. Can we keep it real? Now, if I never get back up here, y'all know why. But while I'm up here, we're going to keep it real. Because some of us have gone through some real things in life. And it's not just about that. You may have lost a job. We are in a season where people are spending and we have consumerism and all of these things going on. For what reason? So it's for us to understand that no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what is going, you are not too far out of his reach. Our first scripture said in John 6, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you are able to participate in this act, you have no life in you. Unless God, who has breathed his breath of life in you, has been accepted because we have free will. So you, until you accept him as your savior, you have no life in you. But today's a good day to change that. So... I'm going to ask this, and I'm going to ask this very quickly, because I want to do a call of action, but I want it to look a little differently. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to ask if the ushers can pass out our index cards, and if you need a pen, we have pens. And what we're going to do is very simple. If there are things, and this may not be for everyone, but if there is something that is in your life that is holding you back, something that has caused you not to come into that place of remembrance. I want you to take a moment to reflect. I want you to take a moment to remember that glimpse when you would smile, when you would laugh, when you knew that you were loved by God. And I want you to write it down. The reason why I want you to write it down is because when we confess, well, yes, we confess with our lips, but sometimes we, there's a difference between thinking and praying. Yes. We think a lot. We don't pray a whole lot. And in this act, what we're doing is, as a a step of faith, I am asking you to write down that one thing that is going on that has kept you from coming home. What's keeping you from coming home? What's keeping you from the love of a father? So take that moment, think about it, process it, and I want you to write it down. But here's the hard part. As you write it down, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar, and we're going to drop it off. And the reason why I say this is the hard part, because sometimes this is where fear comes in. The fear that someone will see this, the fear that someone will know what's going on. Now, one of the things that I will let you know, I guarantee you that what you write, no one will see. Because this isn't about us, this isn't about people, this is about you and God. And so as I'm going to ask you, to drop this in this box that I have, know that this box will be destroyed and is representing the destruction of whatever this thing is that has you in your life, whatever fear 
that you are enslaved to. At this moment, we are getting rid of it. Whether it's your mindset, a lot of times it's ourselves. Whatever it is, I want you to write that down. And as you have that, I'm going to ask that you would come to the altar and we're going to drop this off in my little cardboard box. And as we drop this off, I want it to represent you saying that, God, whatever has left me in a state where I felt like I could never come home to you, that I am taking a step of faith and saying, Father, I'm coming home. I'm going to ask that you would come, no matter what it is, face your fear, face the fear of the unknown, and come to a place where you say, God, it is about you, understanding that I I know that you have my life in your hands. I know, God, that you that you can do all things. There's nothing too hard and too impossible for you. And I pray that as you would bring it to the altar, that you would have a release and that you would feel the grace of God in your life and that the weight of whatever it has been will be removed from your life. Would you come? And as you come, I'm going to ask that you will stay at the altar. Because we're going to pray. And then we're going to move into our next portion of the service. Know in this act, I recognize that it's not a simple deed. Because we don't know what's on these papers. But knowing that in what you do, God loves you. God loves you. And we got about, we're going to move and give you just a couple more seconds. I still see people writing. As you're writing, as you're coming, let your heart be open. Can we just begin to worship God? Can we begin to just give him glory for who he is, for all that he's done? Because he is a worthy God. He is worthy God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we can come a little closer. So Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, because of your love for us, your great love. We thank you because you are merciful. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for your love, for your compassion, for your care and your concern for us. God, we thank you. We thank you because it does not matter how far we have gone from your from your love for what we feel is your touch. God, we're thankful because you have still called us home. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray that even in this simplicity of the act, God, Lord, that you would begin to break strongholds in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, we pray that you would begin to break down the walls that have stood in between the relationship, God, of you and I. God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, that in the midst of this act, there would be healing, there would be deliverance. God, that there would be people who would be set free because, God, they chose to have an act of faith to say, Lord, today we will give it to you. And in the midst of giving it to you, God, I pray that you would lift the weight. God, I pray that you would lift the heavy burden. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, for the worry and the stress and the anxiety that has come into your people's lives, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us into a place, Lord, where we have come back to our senses. Where we have come back into a place of remembrance, oh God. Lord, that we might be able to take a self-examination of ourselves and say, Lord, I may not have been right. But God, I thank you because you set all things right. I thank you because you set the course, God. You have allowed me the opportunity one more time to come into your presence, God. And for that, we give you thanks, Lord. For that, we give you glory. For that, Lord, we worship you. For that, God, we give you the glory, the praise, the honor that is due to your name because you are worthy, God. All but for the love of God. We thank you for your love, Jesus. We thank you for your abundant love upon our lives, oh God. Now, Lord, we thank you for setting us free. We thank you for setting us free. We thank you for setting us free. God, in our surrender, Lord, today we submit to you, oh God. Our submission unto you, God, we say yes to you. Yes, oh God. And now, Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, oh God, that you have not even asked us to come far. Lord, but you've just asked us to take the steps. And in the steps that we have taken, God, that you have come running to us. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, that just as you have died on the cross and you have stretched your arms out wide for us, God, that with those same arms you come to embrace us. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your embrace. And we thank you for our freedom. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.